Our scripture passage this morning is from Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. Joshua 5. And once more, I'm going to be uh, reading from the Christian Standard Version. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua approached him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. I have now come as commander of the Lord's army. Then Joshua bowed with his face to the ground in worship and asked him, What does my Lord want to say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did that. I want to take you back in time, back to the uh, early 1990s. And at that time in my life, I had been an atheist, but had uh, come out of that. I've come to a place where I was believing in God, but wasn't ready to become a Christian. I would describe myself at that point as being a seeker. I was definitely open to uh, what faith I might be. But I wasn't necessarily leaning towards Christianity. And at that time in my journey, I was working for some Christians, some very zealous Christians who just love to talk to me about Jesus and to share their faith with me. And that was fine. That was an important part of that journey. But there was a part of me that didn't really want to be a Christian. And so I was really watching them carefully, listening very carefully to everything they would say, trying to find uh, some problems, some uh, issues in what they were sharing with me. And so uh, there was one day I came into work and my manager, who was one of these uh, very zealous Christians, uh, was telling me that he was praying that the uh, Toronto Blue Jays were going to win the World Series. And, and not only was he going to pray that, he knew that they were going to win because he was praying. And I listened to him saying that, and he had this big smile on his face, because and he wasn't joking. He knew that if he prayed that the Blue Jays would win the World Series, that they would win. And so I asked him, well, what happens if someone in the uh, the city of the other team is praying for their team? Uh, what does God do with that? And he didn't really appreciate me saying that uh, because all he knew is that he, if he prayed in faith, it was going to happen. Now, if you know your ancient history from the 1990s, you know that the Blue Jays did win the World Series. Uh, I don't know that it was because of that particular person's prayer or not. But it got me thinking, how does that work? Does God count up the prayer? The prayers. So, if uh, some, uh, if there's three thousand five hundred and forty-three people praying for the Blue Jays, and only three thousand five hundred and forty-two praying for the other team, then God's counted it up and say, "Okay, the Blue Jays get it this uh, this year because there's that many." Or does He look at the team and say, "Well, um, there's this many Christians on this particular team, and uh, a little bit less on this other team, so I'm going to give." the World Series to them. Does God even have a favorite 
a baseball team. Uh, I, I know at a previous church, there was a, a lady during our prayer time, and like we often do here, we would take prayer requests, and she would regularly pray, or ask me to pray that the Maple Leafs would win a game, and, and uh, I often just did not have the faith to do that. And so... I, I, what I would do is I would pray that, you know, the players would do their best and, and that, you know, no one would get injured and that's about as, as far as I could take it. But it, it is something to think about. Can, does God actually take sides on this? That we can actually say that God is on the side of this baseball team or this hockey team or any other sports team? And to take things a little bit more seriously, can we do the same thing when it comes to nations? Can we obviously say that God is on the side of the United States or God is always on the side of Canada? Uh, can, can we do that? And this is especially complicated when it comes to times of war. What do we do there? I, I'm sure that there are times that we do think that, that we hope that God is on our side. But how confidently can we say that God is taking sides and God has chosen that uh, this is the side that he is going to align himself with and because of that, there are the ones who are going to win. These are some difficult things for us to think about and things that people have wondered about for uh, many hundreds of years. And, and that's what we're going to take a look at as we turn to this story about Joshua. And uh, Joshua, at this point, uh, he is leading the people of Israel. They're entering into the Promised Land. And this uh, entering of the Promised Land is something that's not going to be peaceful, is going to take place with battles, is going to take place with war. And at this particular point, this is the eve of battle. They're about to attack the city of Jericho. And uh, I'm sure we can guess at some of the things that were going through Joshua's mind at this time. I'm sure there was some anxiety on him as he was wondering uh, how things were going to go. Now, we know, or we may know, the story of the fall of Jericho fairly well, but uh, Joshua didn't really know all the details of how things were going to be. And so, what was he thinking about there? I, I'm sure as a man of God, he was praying. So he was uh, praying for his troops. He was praying for his leaders. Uh, he was praying for himself, that he would be able to hear God's voice clearly and that he would be doing the right things and, and making the right decisions. And so it must have been a very anxious time for him. And as he's walking along, he sees a man standing there with a, a great big sword. Now, when you are near your camp and it is the eve of battle, uh, you get kind of nervous when you see uh, an armed person standing there. And Joshua can't just think, well, you know, that's fine. You know, it's nice to have a, a tourist walking through and, and uh, you know, hope you're having a good day. He can't think that way. He has got to know who this person is and what they are doing. And so the question that he asks is, uh, are you on our side or are you on the side of our enemies? Whose side are you on? Well, it ends up that this man is not actually a man, but is uh, an angel of the Lord and is representing God's presence and God's power in this situation. And this angel replies to Joshua saying that he's not 
uh, on the side of the enemies, but he's also not on their side either. He is on God's side. He is the commander of God's army, and that's the way it is. And the way the story goes is that Joshua ends up taking off his sandals, and he, he bows down, and he acknowledges that this is a holy place. And so what we see is instead of this angel of the Lord coming onto Joshua's side and being an assistant to Joshua, it is Joshua who is submitting and coming under the authority of God and his will. This is the same kind of thing that we find when Moses first became the leader of Israel. When he met God at the burning bush, he took his sandals off as he was on holy ground, submitting to God's side. It wasn't a matter of God coming onto Moses' side. Rather, God was recruiting Moses at that point to come on to his side. And as we look at the history of Israel in the Old Testament, it's never about God being on Israel's side. It's rather that at certain points in their history, Israel is on God's side. And when that happens, things are going well. But when Israel is disobedient to God, that is, they stop being on God's side, that's when bad things happen. And God is not above using other nations and using other armies to punish Israel in those moments to bring them back to a place of obedience. And so this might not be as simple as we would like it to be, but that's the way it is. So we now think about our own situation and what life is like, especially when we think about the, the last uh, hundred years or so and the, the conflicts that our nation has been in. And I have to acknowledge, before I get into that, that as Christians, that we do not have one position when it comes to war. That there are uh, people who uh, believe in nonviolence, who identify as pacifists, and uh, do not believe that in any circumstance should any Christian ever be involved in violence. So we have to acknowledge that that is a, uh, a valid and respected position within the Christian church. There are other Christians who believe in just war. That is, that there are certain circumstances in which uh, it is acceptable if the conditions are met for Christians to serve uh, in the military and to, uh, to be involved in military activities. And so we have to acknowledge that both of those things are going on, and I'm not going to uh, go into depth into those, those uh, debates other than just to acknowledge that they exist and there is room for both of those within the Christian church. But we need to ask, when there are conflicts, when there are wars, whose side is God on? And those are questions that, that people have. Uh, in both World War I and World War II, uh, German soldiers would wear on their belt buckles uh, a little phrase that said, Gott mit uns, and that means God is with us. And that's what they wore because they believed that God was with them. And equally so, people on the Allied side really believe that God was with them. I am uh, a student of military history, and I especially love to read the, the writings and the speeches of Winston Churchill. And very often, 
uh, when you read his speeches, you see him calling upon uh, not just uh, the prayers to God for help, but uh, acknowledging that God is on their side and that they have the advantage because God is with them. Now, was he using that just uh, because of uh, rhetorical reasons to, to rally the people, or was he doing that because of his own faith? Uh, that's besides the point. What we do know is that people on both sides hoped and believed that God was on their side. Now, we, we might look at something like the, the Second World War and say, well, it's obvious there. It is completely obvious that the uh, Hitler and the Nazis were evil, and uh, we were working on the right side, and so it was obvious that God was completely on our side. However, what happens when we look at our conflicts through the lens of this passage in Joshua, where the angel does not claim to be on the side of the enemy, but nor does he claim to be on the side of Joshua? What does that mean? What this tells us is that God is on God's side. And what is God's side? God's side is when his values are being lived out. Uh, The values of justice and mercy and truth and charity. Those are God's values. And when those things are being done and when people are working in those areas, they are working in God's side. And so we can look definitely at the Nazis and what they were doing with the Holocaust. And we can, it's obvious to us, and I can say in complete uh, um, candidness that the, the Nazis, when they were doing that thing, they were not on God's side. They were against God's side, and God was against them in what they were doing. What was taking place there was pure evil. And it needed to be stopped. Even someone like uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a German pastor and theologian and who was a pacifist and was a firm believer in nonviolence, saw the evil of what Hitler was doing as being so bad that he needed to involve himself in a plot to assassinate Hitler. And he still believed, Bonhoeffer still believed that it was wrong to be involved in violence, but he was willing to sin in that way, according to his own perspective, that uh, because the, the violence that was taking place and the evil was so great. And so we need to be aware of that. Yes, the Nazis and what they were doing, that was indeed uh, evil. But, you know what? It was wrong for, for Canada when we turned back ships of Jewish refugees who were looking for safety and who needed to return to Europe because Canada would not welcome them here, would not give them a safe place. Canada, at that point, was in the wrong. We were not on God's side when we were turning aside Jewish refugees. Uh, This might be a little bit controversial, but I would say uh, that the Allies were not on God's side when they were firebombing German cities and killing uh, thousands and thousands of of German civilians in places like Dresden. Uh, I don't think that the Allies were on God's side when they dropped atomic bombs on cities in Japan, killing so many civilians. I would say that there is not a blanket statement that we can say God is on our side and he will therefore endorse everything we do no matter what it is. I believe for much of World War I and World War II, as, as in as much as we were working for justice and we were working for peace, 
we were on God's side. But there were many times in which people strayed from that, even on the Allied side. Uh, Today, we are marking the 100th anniversary of the armistice, which was the beginning of the end of the First World War. And as we look at the history of what took place there, we see that people did not respond to Germany afterwards in a very Christian attitude. They looked at what took place, and they wanted to punish, and they wanted to uh, bring revenge. And so they made things so difficult for Germany in those decades afterwards that they paved the way for Hitler and the Nazis. What would have happened at the end of the First World War if the Allied powers had come to it with a Christian attitude of forgiveness and love and charity, and that they enabled Germany to rebuild and to uh, be a place where people like Hitler would not have been welcome and would not have been able to take advantage of the suffering of the people. How many millions of lives could have been saved if that took place. I want to be very clear as to what my position is. Uh, I am a a proud Canadian. I am proud to have served in the Canadian Armed Forces. I love our military, and I believe in the things that we are doing. But at the same time, I'm not so naive to think that Canada or any other power is ever uh, invulnerable from straying from God's side. At any time, we could do something that is not right. And there certainly are examples, even within our own Canadian history, in which we have strayed from that. When I think about Remembrance Day, I think about the times that I have met veterans. And I've met and had an opportunity to sit down and talk with veterans from uh, World War II all the way down to Afghanistan. And I will say that I have always walked away from those conversations with complete respect, uh, with uh, just inspiration at the courage that they have demonstrated in the difficult situations that they have been in. And the, they deserve our respect, and that's why I am glad that we can be here and that we can take time to acknowledge their sacrifice. But what about the veterans on the other side? What about just, I'm not talking about Nazi leaders or anyone else. I'm talking about the, the average German or Japanese or Italian uh, soldier uh, who was a veteran. What about them? Uh, many years ago, I was visiting a lady. She was uh, in her hundreds. I think she was 109 when I was talking to her. And she was in England during the Battle of Britain. And she told me how she saw uh, a number of Spitfires taking off and going uh, to intercept the Luftwaffe as they were coming in to to bomb. And she said uh, audibly uh, to the the planes as they went by, go get them, boys. And as she said that, she realized, wait a minute, those German pilots are just regular guys. They're, They're people with parents, with brothers and sisters, uh, with girlfriends, wives, maybe even children. And th- she realized at that time that there was nothing to celebrate in the death of these German pilots. Yes, she was thankful that the, uh, the RAF was there to protect them and was willing to defend them uh, with their skill. But there was no, nothing to celebrate 
in the death of another human being. It was just something that was a necessary evil in that time. And as she told me that, and I could see the look in her eyes, and it seemed to be so fresh in her to have come to that that revelation, that's something that has stuck with me ever since. What we need to do is not to have a full confidence that God is always on our side, that we have a blank check, that we can do whatever we want, and uh, we can be assured that God will give his stamp of approval. Rather, we need to seek to be on God's side. We need to make sure that we are living up to the values that he has called us to, that we need to be working towards justice and peace and uh, charity and safety and all of those things. And thankfully, Canada has a good reputation on the international scene for those things, but it's something that we need to continue to work for and to seek to have. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together, and we thank you, Lord, for our veterans who have served. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to remain on your side, to never be overconfident, thinking that uh, we could take you onto our side and have you approve all that we do. We pray, Lord, that you would give wisdom to our leaders and to all those involved in the military, that they would have a clear understanding of the way things need to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.